Hey everyone, this is Chad Harms, the pastor of Creekside Bible Church. Thanks for taking some time to listen to my latest sermon, a sermon about faith. It will play in just a minute, but before it does, I want to let you know about what's happening at our church this summer. Due to COVID-19 and everything surrounding it, our services have moved outside. God has blessed our church with an incredible seven acres in North Wilsonville, and someday we'll have a building there. But in the meantime, it's a perfect solution for us to have church during all that's going on in our world. We would love to have you join us. And so if you want the information about what our services look like this summer, you can go to wilsonville.church slash property gathering. That's wilsonville.church slash property gathering. We would love for you to join us for one of these outdoor services. They're going to be fun. They're going to be different. It's going to be an exciting summer. And so we hope that you'll consider joining us. We'd love to meet you in person. Again, thanks for taking some time to listen to my latest sermon. I really do hope that it will help you to learn and live more fully for the glory of God. Well, good morning again, everybody. Uh, I am Chad. For those of you that uh, showed up late today, the pastor of this church. Today we're going to look at a story that that I just think is really easy to connect with uh, because there's so many themes in it that that just when you read the story, it's like, wow, I feel those themes. I've seen those themes over the last several months in my own life. Let me just give you a few of those before we look at the story. Like, where is God? Just that question, right? Like, where is he in the midst of all this? Is he, is he still working? Is he still active? Does he still care about me? Does he still love me? Does he still love us? Does he know what is going on? Uh, I mean, where in the world is, is God in the midst of all this? Or this this thing, uh, like, do you ever feel like you're flooded by just too many things that it becomes overwhelming? Like, like there's just so many things. Brandon kind of said thank you about a lot of the ways that God's worked in those areas. But for, for many of us, I think it's just been like a flood of, of difficult things, you know, whether it's fear of sickness and, uh, you know, it's fear of government, whether it's fear of uh, of of work and, and job and money and you know there's so many things that it seems like it's kind of all hit people at once I really do feel like I've just been flooded by an overwhelming amount of of stuff uh, and and bad really even and and it makes life difficult and so and we're gonna see that theme here just the idea of of being overwhelmed and then and then fear in general but what's so different right now about fear for me is that I've, I, if in the last five or so months, I've actually feared things that are, are dangerous, where if you are part of our church, you know this about me. I'm a big worrier, but normally I worry about things that are so stupid. Like, even if you just said, like, why are you worrying about that? I'd be like, yeah, I'm kind of an idiot. You know, I shouldn't be worrying about this. We usually worry about things that are not actual dangers. But over the last several months, like, we found plenty of real things to worry about. Maybe you found yourself worrying about stupid things less, I think, like I have. But we are worrying about real dangers, and we're going to see that in this story. And here's what's so cool about this story that hits on, you know, so many levels and so many themes is that in the midst of all of it, we're going to see this single question. And the question is about faith. And and what it's going to do for us is it's going to call us to examine our own faith. And and here's the big idea, what we're, what we are placing our faith in. Here's what I I think maybe we get mixed up sometimes. Uh, in, In the midst, especially of life's difficulties, what can happen to us is that 
not that we stop having faith, but that we begin to place our faith in the wrong things. Our, our faith becomes misguided. We turn our faith away from God, or maybe you've never had a faith in God. But during hard times especially, we, we have a tendency to, to then focus our faith on, on other things, other solutions besides God. I think we lie to ourselves often, and, and we either... Uh, one, for Christians, we, we just say, oh, my faith's always in God when really it, it can be in other things. But for people who aren't Christians, uh, I think often they tell themselves they're not people of faith at all, uh, when in reality they're just placing their faith in things that aren't God. They're placing their faith in other things. I think this is going to make more sense as we go, but this story cuts right to the heart of it with a single question that Jesus utters to his disciples. Here's how the story begins in Luke 8, 22 and 23. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. This is where most of those themes emerge that I already mentioned. And right from the beginning, I I see one that's like, oh, I get that. I, I think that that's it's kind of difficult pill to swallow. That's, that's weird. And, and it's just that Jesus is the one who suggests that they go to the other side of the lake. I mean, here's Jesus saying, hey, let's take a little trip across the lake. And then they get into the lake and uh, they're on their boats. And then this storm comes and, and it puts them in great danger, as we see there. Uh, and and it, it begs just us to look into the mirror and say, do I feel any of that? Do I feel like I was listening to Jesus and then the storms of life hit. And I think these are the most difficult storms to deal with, especially if you're a Christian. The ones where we go, I, I'm being obedient to God and it almost seems like because I've been obedient to God, I'm now stuck in the middle of this dangerous situation. For me personally, it's a little easier to deal with the storms that I create where I do the thing I know I shouldn't do, the stupid thing, the sinful thing, and then all of a sudden I see the natural consequences. But when consequences seem to come as we do good things, as we serve God well, as we listen, as we get on the boat with Jesus to go to the other side of the lake, those are the ones that are difficult to deal with. And I think all of us might feel a little bit of that like right now a little bit, right? Like we, we go... You know, four or five months ago, I was, I was living a life of faith. I was, you know, trying to do the things that God wanted me to do. I thought I was in a pretty good place spiritually. And then, bam, my world was turned upside down. I was separated from the people I love. I could no longer go to church. I lost my job. I, I you know, have to clean all my groceries, you know. I mean, you just go down the list. It's like, wait, I, I didn't deserve this. I don't feel like I earned this. And we're dealing with that right now, just like these disciples who get on the boat because Jesus wants to go to the other side of the lake. Let me say something just so clearly. Uh, And I think we we get this wrong, some of the people in our church, pretty consistently. Uh, So I I just want to say it clearly. Life's problems are not always caused by something you've done. That is a clear scriptural theme. Now, sometimes life's problems are are caused by things you've done, but sometimes we deal with bad things in life that are totally separate. They're not connected to anything that we have done wrong. I think as humans, we run a danger, especially as Christians. We, we, can, we can look at God wrongly and think, you know, every time something bad happens, it's like God's up there punishing me because I did that thing last week. I've wrestled with some of this myself, but let me be clear again. Life's problems are not always caused by something you've done. 
But when you haven't done anything that you think deserves a, a big problem or a pandemic, it seems weird when like you can't see God's finger in it all. Like, what is God doing? Where is God? And here I connect with this second theme. Like, Jesus is asleep. He fell asleep. They're in the middle of this storm, and, and where is Jesus? He is he's sleeping, and I, I feel like that sometimes in my life. Like, you're looking up, and you're like, hey, hey God, like, do you see what's going on right now? Do you care about what's going on? Have you, are you just neglecting me, or have you rejected me? Have you turned your back on me? Like, what is happening? It seems like you are asleep. I don't know why it's how my mind works sometimes, but I, I think of country songs when I'm preparing sermons. And, and I thought of the song, Jesus Takes the Wheel. Do you know that, you know that song um, by Carrie Underwood? And, and I think a lot of us can feel at times in life, like we're like, hey, Jesus, take the wheel. And then we're like, wait, he fell asleep with the wheel. Like I, I let you take over my life. And, and now it appears that you haven't done a very good job of, of leading my life for me or guiding me in this life. I want to make something else clear. Problems are not always your fault, but this other thing is so important, and we're going to see it more clearly as this story continues. But listen to this. Pay, pay attention to this. Look up here and pay attention to this. Even when it seems like God is asleep, God is still in control. I think that is at the heart of this story. Even when it seems like God is asleep, even when you can't see God working in your life, even when you can't tell what God is doing, we need to understand that even in those moments, God is still in control. But, but further, I mean, the boat is swamped or filled with water. I can connect with that. These last few months have just been overwhelming, right? Like there's just too many things that I'm dealing with that I'm trying to figure out. All of these new questions. Like if you can kind of, you know, like culture, like if culture will just move a little bit at a time, then I can work through how I interact with culture. But it's like everything's different than it was five months ago. And the way we talk about things is different. And as a Christian, I'm trying to like navigate like, where do I go with this and how do I respond to all of this? And then, you know, like even just the idea of a, a pandemic and I'm a guy that will chew gum after people and now I'm not supposed to shake hands with people. Like how am I supposed to deal with like an ever-shifting world like that? I wouldn't chew gum with all of you, but some of you I might. Um, I mean, how am I supposed to deal with that? Like there's too many changes too fast and it's just like this crazy flood this swamping of of my life and it feels a little bit overwhelming and this isn't in the story but i've also felt this other side where life goes from overwhelming to just downright dry and boring it's this weird thing all week i was picturing the the ride at the fair do you remember that ride that looks like a uh, uh, uh the word is slipping my mind now it looks like a viking ship and it goes back and forth and i feel like it in my world right now like the viking ship has one side that's totally flooded with water and the other side's in the middle of a drought and it's way too hot and it's boring to be more specific and that's kind of how my life's been most of the time you know last five months have been way overwhelming and then all of a sudden the overwhelming ends and i'm like wow i don't have anything to do with my life like what am i gonna do and then it just swings back and for us it's been like trying to get up and online and get all that stuff taken care of is overwhelming and then and then it hit this like week or two of dryness. Like, what am I even doing as a pastor right now? And then all of a sudden it was like, we have to get ready to be outside on the church property. And that was overwhelming. And now we've kind of moved back a little bit towards like, hey, what am I actually doing right now? But I know that when we, 
you know, whatever happens in the fall that we have no idea, like that's going to be overwhelming. And so it's been this weird deal. And I see that for the disciples a little bit. They're overwhelmed. They're in danger and they're in real danger. They're in great danger, in fact. And I'd like to point out that some of these men are fishermen. They are not just alarmists. It's not like they're panicking. If I was on a boat and I saw a raindrop, I might freak out and be like, we're all going to die. But these guys know the lake. They know the wind. They know the storms. They know the boat. They know how this whole deal works. And yet, despite that, they're actually in great danger. This is a very real threat to their lives. They might die. And again, we felt some of that. We've gone from worrying about like, hey, what do that people, what do those people think of me? You know, those types of words. What do they think of me? Did I do a good enough job at work? You know, is my boss going to be mad at me? We've gone from worrying about those things to worrying about much bigger things. And here they are worrying about, they're scared because of a very real threat. And it begs this question, all of this kind of together, just all of these themes kind of, for me, if I'm reading this story and I never heard it before, it just begs this, this singular question like, well, what are they going to do? They got this very real threat. They're scared. The boat is flooded. They might die. And Jesus is sleeping in the back. What are they going to do? And here's the answer in verse 24. The disciples went and woke him, Jesus, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Look, I don't think I, make, I can make a big enough deal about what I'm going to say next. It's almost impossible. Uh, they wake up Jesus, and I think if we would just apply that to our lives, that means that we pray. Now, let me be super duper clear. Uh, we don't believe God is sleeping, and you're going to see that in, in the question, I think, that Jesus asked them. I think that that's at the heart of the question that Jesus asked them. But when it feels like God is asleep or that God is not doing the things that we think he needs to do, th- then the, the only logical response is to pray. It's to, uh, if you will, and not take this metaphor too far, please don't take it too far, but it's to wake God up. And there's, there's this thing as Christians uh, that's difficult. It's a, it's a weird tension that we, uh, that we have to kind of wrestle with. And And that is that we believe two things. We believe that God is sovereign, he's in total control, and that he is working the world to his ends and purposes, that God is working all things for the good of those who love him, that nothing surprises him, that he does not sleep, and instead he is always in control. So we believe that fully, wholly. But we also believe that prayer somehow moves the hand, to steal a quote, moves the hand that moves the world. Prayer, God responds to prayer. And how that all looks and all that works in the heavenly realms is is one of the most difficult things, I think, to work out as Christians. But we believe both of them to be true. God is in control and God responds to our prayers. He seems to act differently, work differently when we do pray versus when we don't pray. It's weird tension. But sometimes what that can lead us to do is to take one side. We either forget that God is in control and we run around scared or we forget the importance of prayer. And in this story is they wake him up because they think he's sleeping and they seem to believe if he's sleeping, he's not in control. We see them do the right and good thing and that is to wake up Jesus. And I think for those of us who are the people of God, the church, the family of God, I think that if ever there was a time when we needed to 
to pound on the doors of heaven and, and do our best to, to see God move through prayer. It is right now in our world. There are so many ways that we can respond to what is happening, but, but for those of us that, that love Jesus and, and believe in the power of Jesus, we must pray, 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 pray. We have to pray. We have to pray. And if you're like me, I don't know if you are. This might just be me. But I've actually found it a lot harder to pray the last several months than normally. Uh, for so many reasons. Some of them, you know, maybe none of them are good reasons. But some of them more logical reasons and others aren't. Part of it is being overwhelmed, right? When we're overwhelmed like the disciples here, it kind of it can become a last resort. Like you're just trying to get water out of the boat, right? Like you're just trying to get the the everything under control and, and you, you you go like can i pray in the midst of all this i'm just trying to pay my bills and wash my groceries and avoid people like this is this is not the time to pray but it is the time to pray that's the thing i, I would add that uh that the other reason i think uh, kind of on the other side is is simply and this is a bad reason maybe this is the bad reason but my schedule has been so different and I'm a person who really relies on my schedule for, for Bible reading and prayer. And, um, and, and it's been all mixed up. I mean, for a while, we were just staying up so much later uh, for a variety of reasons. And then I don't get up as early as I normally get up. And, and lately, and you've heard this, you've been around, uh, we were doing some work in between the properties here and, and I got poison oak and so I've been taking medicine to be able to sleep at night and then and then I struggle to get up in the morning um, because I you know I'm drugged up a little bit and, and and so that's really just cut into prayer time and been bad on my spiritual life and so like there's all these reasons but they're all you know they really all are not good enough reasons because if we believe that God is in control then we must pray when we face these real dangers that we are facing in our world today. Let me pause right there. Just kind of keep all that in your mind. Let me pause because I think it's really important uh, as, as I do you know, my best to contextualize and make this story applicable to you. I think it's really important that we just kind of think about how incredible this story is. Uh, last week, I just briefly kind of offhandedly, it wasn't even in my notes, mentioned that the Gospel of Luke, where this story is recorded for us, was written by a man named Luke who was a, a doctor and an incredible historian. Even by today's standards, people know Luke to be a great historian. In fact, archaeologists are often catching up to Luke and the things he wrote. They'll say, well, that guy didn't exist. And then and then archaeologists will find a coin with this guy that Luke, who, who wrote part of the Bible, is inspired by the Holy Spirit. He wrote about the guy long before the rest of the world knew he existed. And so Luke is this doctor, physician guy, who also is a historian. And he's writing this book for a man named Theophilus, who is a Roman, who's like, I'm kind of interested in knowing more about Jesus. I want to know about this Jesus character. Like, mainly, should I follow him, it seems? Should I become a Christian? So Luke finds a bunch of eyewitnesses and he, by the power of the Holy Spirit, compiles them into this book that we call Luke that you can find in the Bible. And, and I just would say, I would stop here and say, look what Luke records for us based on eyewitness accounts. He says these disciples, maybe he's talking to one of them and they're saying, hey, we were on a boat and there was a giant storm and we who were fishermen thought we were going to die. So we woke Jesus up. Jesus got out of bed. He got up. He commanded the winds 
and the waves, and immediately, immediately the storm subsided. All was calm. That's, that's pretty incredible, right? And we're going to see this thing at the end where the disciples say, who is this man? And this story is proof that this man is no ordinary man. No ordinary man, no great teacher, no great political leader, no great prophet even, can command in and of himself the winds and the waves. But Jesus could. And then in Luke 8, 25, we get to our question. He says, where is your faith? Where is your faith, he asked his disciples. It's so interesting to me here that as Luke records this story, he poses this question, where? Where is your faith? I think sometimes it isn't that we lack faith, as I said at the beginning, but instead it's that we place our faith in the wrong things. Now, as Christian people, those are, for all intents and purposes, you kind of end up in the same place. But this question where, I think, it, it places a different emphasis on what Jesus is saying to his disciples. Where is your faith? Where are you placing your faith? I, I think for them it was in their ability to you know, handle the storm, to change the, uh, the sails, to uh, shovel water out of the boat, to plug the holes, to uh, turn the boat, to do all of those things. They were placing their faith really in their own knowledge and ability to ride out the storm before they woke up Jesus. But I would ask the question, where is our faith? Where is your faith? Now you got to hear me out because I, I, you know, I'm no famous pastor, but if I was, I think what I'm about to say next would be the thing that gets ripped out of context and placed on the internet somewhere for people to talk about how bad I am. So make sure you just stay with me for a minute and listen to all that I'm going to say and not just part of it. Uh, but I think right now I see a lot of people placing their faith in politicians and scientists and financial experts and doctors and even ourselves and our own intuition. And these people are important. And, and uh, I don't want you to get that wrong. I want to make that clear. I think these people are important. They play a role in our lives. But, but listen to me. If your faith is in them, uh, then it's dangerous to live a life of faith. This is, this is what I think we need to understand Look up here and pay attention to this. Listen, at least at times, to the politicians, the scientists, the doctors, and your own intellect even. But place your faith in Jesus. Listen to the experts, but place your faith, your hope, your confidence in something better. Place all of that in Jesus. We have a tendency to mix that up. We kind of listen to Jesus, but place our faith in the people, the voices that we can see and hear. That's where we place our faith. But if this story teaches us anything, as Jesus says, where is your faith? It's, it's saying, hey, you can listen to your own intellect, to the things that are going on in the world, to the, the experts, the voices that matter, but you have to keep your faith in Jesus because if you place your faith in anything else, then that danger is very, very real. The biblical illustrator says this. It's kind of a lengthy quote. Hope you'll try to pay attention. Uh, it says this, and it, it, it is as much as if he had said, you thought that I was sleeping, but was it indeed only me or chiefly my eye that slept? Was it not your faith? You say, where is the Lord? But I say, where is your faith? It is a mistake, brethren. We're all making every day. We say the Lord sleeps, the Lord sleeps, but what is it? Your faith sleeps. I begin by asking every one of you I am now addressing, where is your faith? Where is 
your faith. And I would add, I would ask to the people that I'm addressing this morning here and online, I would just say, where is your faith? What are you placing your faith in? I had this professor who gave this, man, he always like, I, I don't know if he did it more than once, but I feel like in my head he did it more than once. He gave this stupid illustration and uh, and now I'm going to use this stupid illustration. So apparently it was okay because I remember it all these years later. But but he would say like, if you're if you're out in the ocean and you're drowning, then it doesn't matter if you place your faith in pink elephants. Kind of stupid, right? Like, what? Why? What? Like, you couldn't have done better than that with your illustration? Uh, but, but he would say this for a couple of reasons. One, oftentimes we place our faith in things that are not real at all. Uh, pink elephants, there's no such thing, I don't think, maybe when they're babies, but no, full-grown pink elephant, that's not a real thing, right? And so sometimes people place their faith in things that are not real. We would believe that about false gods, gods that are not real. We would believe that about a lot of people that surrounded the Jews when Jesus walked the earth. They placed their faith in little statues uh, that they believed to be gods, not real. But even if those things were real, they would not have the ability to save. Even if pink elephants were real, they wouldn't have the ability to save you when you're drowning in the ocean. And, and one of the things that it's important for us to remember as Christians is that even if all the experts are right about the things they're saying, they still do not have the ability to save us, at least not for eternity. The best an expert can do is keep us alive for a little while longer, but the God that we serve when we place our faith in him, he can keep us alive forever. That is one of the great stories of Christianity. And that is why we can listen to people, but we must place our faith in Jesus. The forerunner commentary says, they are at ease only when they hear him speak and see him taking care of them. They know from what they have seen of his supernatural power that he is able to calm the storm, but they fall short in failing to realize and fully believe that it makes no difference whether Christ is asleep or awake, he is still the son of God and he proves it when he wakes up and he rebukes the wind and the waves and all becomes calm. Even when it seems like God is sleeping, he is still in control. And if that is true, then we should place our faith in him. Listen to verse 25. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water and they obey him. Here, here's the deal, and you're going to see this throughout this series. The most important thing is the object of our faith. The most important thing is the object of our faith, not the amount of faith, not the strength of our faith. In this series, we're talking about what it means to live a life of faith, to walk by faith. And at the heart of all these sermons is going to be this singular idea that it is, it is about what we are placing our faith in, or better, who we are placing our faith in. And if it's not Jesus, then we are not placing our faith in the wrong, or we are placing our faith in the wrong thing. We serve a God. If you're Christians, you serve a God who commands even the wind and the waves. He is a glorious God. He is a good God. And therefore, we should have full confidence in him even when we can't tell what he is doing. They ask, who is this? And this question demands an answer from each and every one of us. It demands an answer, especially for those people who have not followed Jesus, who have not become Christians. It demands the answer. The question demands an answer. Who is this? Who is this? And I just want to say, if you believe the answer to that question is that Jesus was a great man, a great teacher, a great 
prophet, then he is not worth placing your faith in. He's not worth placing your faith in. But if you believe that he is the one who commands the winds and the waves, then you must place your faith in him. You must place your faith in him. And you do that simply by believing that that same man who commands the wind and the waves died on a cross for your sins. You, you come to believe that not only could he command the winds and the waves, not only could he save you from the storms, but he could also save you from your sin. And he did that by dying on a cross. And you say, Jesus, I believe that. And because I believe that, I will give you my life. And you bow your head before him and you say, Jesus, I give you my life. I want forgiveness for my sins. And if you do that, you can trust that no matter what you face in life, he is upholding you, he's holding you in his righteous right hand. If you believe that Jesus has the ability to save you from the winds and the waves of life and also from your sin for eternity, then you must place your faith in him and not all of the other things that we can place our faith in. And those of us who are Christians, man, if you've already come to that conclusion, if you look at Jesus and you say, man, I totally believe that you are my glorious God who came to walk on earth and die for my sins and that you have saved me for all of eternity, then how dare us not trust him when a pandemic strikes? We must trust him always if we can trust him with our souls. There's this song that I think gets right to it. This song we're going to sing in a minute, I think. Uh, it was a last minute change because of my sermon, but it was the song that my daughter always fell asleep to uh, when she was a baby. We would just drive around for an hour because my daughter hated sleeping when she was a baby. And so we would drive around until she fell asleep and, uh, and we'd always put this song on. It's called It Is Well. It's a modern version of It Is Well and it goes like this. So let go my soul and trust in him. The waves and wind still know his name. So let go my soul and trust in him. The waves and winds still know his name. And through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. And through it all, through it all, it is well. I just want to ask one more time, where are you placing your faith? Because if your faith is in Jesus and you really believe that he is the one who can make storms subside with just a word of his mouth, if that is you, then, then I would say to you, I would say if that's what you believe, then, then no storm should ever make us fear. And when storms come, we should always turn to him and not to other things. Let me pray that that will be true for us. Lord, I, uh, I just ask God that, that you would help us to be a people who place our faith in you. I know, God, even as a Christian, I can be guilty of, of, of placing my confident expectancy, my, my hope in you know, a better future, a better outcome, and, and God, things that, that are not you. you know, often I'm guilty of placing my faith in me, God, which is really, I know, uh, better than anybody, a really terrible place to put my faith, Lord. Um. God, I pray that you would change that in our hearts. I pray for people watching online. I pray for people here, God. I, I ask that if any are not Christians, if they've never committed their lives to you, then you would just put that question deep into their minds and their hearts and their souls, Lord. 
who is this man? And they could not get that question out of their heads, God. And I pray that they would come, whether today or, or, or later, Lord, they would come to the conclusion, God, that, that you, Jesus, are God who saves from sin, and they would give their lives to you. But for those of us who are Christians, let us place our face squarely on you and nothing else, God, because you are the one who commands the winds and the waves, God, and because even when it seems like you're sleeping, God, you are still in control. I pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.